You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Inches to go. The Peter. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap. He's got the quarterback. He's got the All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. We're going to cut to the chase here. we got a very special guest on the pod with us today, and obviously we're live on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, we got Mr. Mike Wall, spent 11 years in the NFL, seven years with your Green Bay Packers, Pro Bowl offensive lineman, now doing great things over at process to perform uh, improving the on-field performance of athletes and their organizations um, just molding people into being the best versions of themselves I love what love what I'm hearing about what you guys are doing over there Mike and working with athletes organizations to uh, develop the tools that maximize their opportunities through mindset development technical mastery and ownership decisions man it's the, the last part there ownership decisions everything in life's a decision right I mean it, it's you can have the body you can have the build you can have the, the want to but making the, the decisions on a daily basis. Uh, how's th- how are things going over that process to perform? Yeah, hey, Clayton, life's, life's good over here. We're, uh, you know, it's funny you talk about decisions because the more I talk to, I, I, I'm lucky to talk to, you know, coaches in, in different endeavors and, and obviously working with athletes all the time. And, and we're just now kind of getting into the idea that everybody says, you know, 90% of this thing is above played above the shoulders, you know, depending regardless of what sport you're playing. But really when you're talking about confrontational sports, 90% of the game is above the shoulders. Like you have to be able to clear that physical hurdle, but everything else is about the decisions you make in life, the behaviors you engage in on a daily basis. And there is such a, uh, there's such a great ability for athletes who understand that early and coaches understand it early to really gap up and, and separate themselves from everybody else because most people aren't operating under that mindset yet. So it's an exciting place to be right now. I think this space in general is an exciting place to be. And I, I certainly love sports and love to be a part of it. Absolutely. Love it. Well, we're going to value your time tonight. That's for sure. We're going to get right into it. I had a couple of questions for you here and I really wanted to pick your brain. Like I said, uh, offline, I've been watching you and Amon break a lot of stuff down. I actually heard you on the, I think it was called the four man rush podcast the other day. Excellent stuff there. 
as always. But, uh, you know, we got this new rookie class coming in. We got a lot of questions about it, right? And I know you've been breaking down some tape. Uh, I kind of dove in on, on some of these players we're going to talk about, and I wanted to just kind of get your take on it. You know, Lucas Van Ness with the 13th overall pick. Um, where do you see him fitting in? You know, obviously he played all up and down that Iowa defensive line from one tech to three tech to five tech, pretty much everything mm-hmm. but zero. And he may have even played zero. I just missed it if he did. Can he play inside in certain situations in the NFL, do you think, with that with that frame, with the way he's built, especially coming in your rookie year? Because we we know Rashawn Gary's probably going to start the year on IR, you know, rehabbing that knee. Um, I think ideally he just starts opposite Preston Smith until Gary's healthy. But once Gary is healthy, do you think he can play in those sub packages inside? Well, I'm certain I'm certain that the Packers draft him with the idea that they're going to be able to get all three of those guys on the field at some point during the season, right? And whether that's Rashawn Gary playing that stand-up inside player, that spinner, we used to call it spinner instead of a third or a second defensive tackle, or putting Lucas Van Ness down there in, in, in a two-eye or a three technique and letting him play games with that guard and that center. You know, for me, he's he's pretty raw. I mean, when you watch him, like, what are the attributes that really stand out? One, he's obviously explosive, runs like a 458, 459-40 at 275 pounds. But when I watch him, the thing that stands out is he's really good with his hands. He's not like a good pass rusher. He doesn't have, you know, perfect footwork or anything yet. He's, he doesn't have good moves by any means. But he can win with his hands inside. And just if you're looking at, you know, if I'm looking at a player, I don't really, I don't, I'm not like a hype guy. I'm just trying to figure out, can you beat me? Can you threaten me? Or can I beat you every time? Right. It's very simple. And so what, you know, what are the things that go into that? Your footwork goes into that. He's got a lot, long way to go and a lot of work to do on his footwork, but he's a good athlete. He's a hard worker. He comes from a good program. His hands are excellent already. His hands, his ability to win inside with both hands, inside stab. He's got something he has to work with as far as not getting too far ahead of his shoulder pads and kind of, and, and always getting his hands knocked down and played down. But as far as targeting with his hands, He's pretty good. Having said all that, if it was me, I would say, hey, listen, let's stick to playing left defensive end or outside linebacker right now. Get good at that. Let Rashawn Gary, when he comes back, he can ease his way in. He can play that stand-up spinner technique. They have Edmund still. Like, There's other guys that can do that and do it at a high level. I would have him focus on becoming the best outside linebacker possible now. And then as he gets older, he can kind of work himself into that position, those different positions. Gotcha. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, because I, you know, you it, it's one thing to do it at the college level, right? Playing inside, but when you <laughs> when you get yeah, to get, it, if you watch him at the college level, he's not. I mean, listen, there's some things he can do, right? He's got quickness off the ball, and you can say oh, maybe he can threaten a guard or center with his speed. But it's like if you weigh 275 pounds, these guys are 320. They, they're you're not threatening them at all. And so what <clears throat> what happens? Unless you're a really good technician, you're super slippery. He's not what you would call a slippery player. Right. Like he doesn't have a lot of hip wiggle yet. He, that's not part of his repertoire. And so when you look at like what his, his ceiling is, it's really high right now in the immediacy. You put him down there. He's just going to get enveloped by these guys who don't mind catching you with hands outside because they weigh 50 pounds more than you. Gotcha. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, moving on to the second question here. You know, the Packers, they took a couple of tight ends. They took Luke Musgrave in the second, then Tucker Craft in the third round this year. How do you see these guys fitting in? You know, some people are suggesting that Tucker Craft is most suited for Mercedes Lewis's role with him, you know, not being on the team. It sounds like he's probably not going to be with uh, back with the Packers now, you know, playing that attached to the line, you know. But when I watched mm-hmm. the tape on Musgrave, you know, you've seen him everywhere. And granted, it was college, but we've seen him play attached. We've seen him play H-wing. We've seen him flexed out. How does that look to you right now out of the gate here? Because, I mean, 
with with Mercedes Lewis gone now, right? Really, the only tight ends you're having coming back with experience is, uh, you know, is Josiah DeGuara. That's more of an H back. Not that he can't play attached. And then, of course, you got Tyler Davis. I mean, these they're going to have to lean on these guys pretty early. How do you how do you see that happening? Because you know, with tight end, you've got to know everything. I've heard you talk about it with Amon. I mean, you've got to be in tune with the running game, the passing game, pass protection. In some cases, everything. How do you see those two guys kind of fitting in right now? Well, I hope that we drafted those guys so that we can kind of convert this offense, especially with Jordan Love being a first-year quarterback, convert this offense into more of like the San Francisco 49ers outside zone where you're using a use check and a Kittle to insert, to lead, to go backside, to do to run split flow, to do all these different things in your offense. Now, you, you, know, you we, we can talk about Jaden Reed a little bit later, but you kind of look at him, okay, he's kind of got Debo Samuel potential. You've obviously got Aaron Jones that can run that kind of offense as well. So when I look at this, I'm trying to figure out how we can just make sure these guys are on the field at the same time. Because I think in this in this NFL, you're starting to see the advent of um, two weights or like complete tight ends, not just the guys that can like catch passes in the slot, but guys that can block and do all the dirty work and catch the ball, George Kittle types. And you're, and you're starting to see more fullbacks. And so those guys that you can get in that can kind of do both and are not afraid to lead our defensive ends or linebackers, those guys are invaluable because in this day and age, you know, back in the day when I was playing, you know, we had Jeremiah Trotter weighing in at 255, have to go against a middle linebacker. Some of these guys are like 230 now. So the games change, and what happens is the pendulum swings back, and all of a sudden we're going to get some bigger, heavier, more athletic tight ends in the game that can lead block, that can insert play inside the tackle on the on the, on the outside zone plays and help that help with that defensive end. And you're just going to get all these – different ways to attack the offense, but you have to have guys that are like willing and able blockers. So Musgrave and Kraft both, similar body types. I think you'd say Musgrave is, Musgrave is more like a Corvette, right? Like he just looks smooth, yeah. super fast. But both these guys are really good athletes, good size, you know, 250 pounds, I think, for Tucker Kraft. And both of them more look more like when you look at their eyeballs and what they did in college, like they're more kind of F fullbacks or tight ends, excuse me, but they can both play attached. and when you put them in, you know, situations that are now more prevalent in the NFL, like it's not always you're going to be one. It's not old Gronkowski blocking where you're going to be one on one with the defensive end all the time. So it's more along the lines of can you get your cutoffs? Can you take proper footwork? And then when you're off the ball, how what kind of damage can you do both in motion and going backside across the center? So I'm excited to see what these guys can add to both the run and the pass game. They look like young players where they're going to take some time to, to develop certainly. And, and that, that tight end coach, that room has to be just spot on and detailed and demanding, but they must've really, they must've really impressed with their, uh, inter, their one-on-one interviews with the coaching staff because they're, they're great big bodies. They have a lot of uh, potential, but it is going to take a lot of work to get them into those kind of really, really specific, um, positions I, I just want to say one thing about that too like mercedes lewis is irreplaceable at this yeah. stage right there's just nobody who can do what he does as well as he does on this team right now so i don't think you're looking for like a mercedes lewis i think you're looking maybe to switch this offense it's maybe a little more lateral a little more athletic and then having these guys insert in some certain places yeah i mean big dog was so much fun to watch i mean yeah, you talk he, was about a, he was my favorite player no yeah, doubt. i mean the little things you never seen him miss 
anything when it came to the little things and, and just that presence in the locker room. I was one of the guys, Mike, I was pounding the table, go bring him back just one more year, help these tight ends, bring him back just to show them what, it, what it's like to be a pro, right? Um, yeah, the flip the flip of that is too, I, I, and it's a great idea. I, I'd love to have him back too. When, when, they, when you kind of reload – and Jordan loves your quarterback now, and you have all these young guys that you draft, and you, even the you guys, Crystal Washington and Dobbs and uh, Samaritori from last year being second-year players, all these skill position guys get to grow with this new quarterback. And I think that's a, I think that's really important, and they have to find a way. Like every rep, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. So yeah. every rep that Mercedes Lewis gets on the field, they're taken away from one of these guys too. And, and I know that sucks for um, – maybe some of the older vets, like when you start thinking about Aaron Jones, he's in his, you know, what is going into his eighth year or something like that. You go like, man, is that great for him? Well, no, but for these young guys, if you're thinking about program building, this is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that Bill Parcells talked about over and over and over back in the day, called them progress stoppers. Yeah. They may give you the best opportunity to win now, but you're really setting your team back by, you know, keeping those guys on a roster. It's just, it's hard, man. You get attached to these players and you, you see what they mean to the organization and, and no. the coaching staff just absolutely raved over them. Heck, it happened with you, Mike, back in the day when you left and, you know, and, and went to, you know, was it Carolina, Seattle, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just like, man, you hated to see that group break away. You know, it just, it's just part of the game, obviously, but uh yeah, good stuff, man. Let's move on to the next question here. Um, the third one I have was, uh, you know, most people agree that, that the Packers' offensive line is pretty strong on the left side. Obviously, David Bakhtiari, uh, all pro there at left tackle. He seems to be completely healthy now from the knee injury, which, man, I, I tell you, Mike, we for the longest time, it was just like once Adrian Peterson came back from his ACL real quick, it's like, oh, yeah, ACLs are just now it's just going to be the norm, right? And then you see the struggles that, that Bach went through. And then obviously Elton Jenkins as well. And, and now you got Rashawn Gary dealing with the ACL. But, you know, with, with Bach on the left, Elton Jenkins on the left, how do you feel about the other three spots? Like how, how can they improve to ensure the running game stays strong, you know, while also giving Jordan Love the protection he needs that first year starting? Because I've heard some people either absolutely love Josh Myers or they think he's a liability. It's, it's like there's never anything in between. How do you feel about those other three spots there with, with Myers at center, John Runyon at right guard, and then obviously it's either going to be Zach Tom or Yash with Yash on that tender. It's probably going to be Yash, I would imagine. How do you feel about that right side? Well, they took a step back last year. I think Myers in particular, he took a step back. And, and is that a function of Stanovich not being in the room, or is that is that something that we just not, we're not aware of? Like, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but right. certainly he needs to improve his play and improve his play dramatically this year. I was surprised that they – I mean, listen, with the 13th pick in the draft, and they didn't pick up Broderick Jones from Georgia, he, I think he went 14th, like the next pick. I, I was shocked because yeah. I can – you can all of a sudden go, Broderick Jones plays left guard, Ellen Jenkins moves over to se- or center, he right wherever, but like you can kind of put – got to figure if he gets the entire offseason working somewhere else, he's going to be probably pretty proficient at that position. Um, but having said that, where we're at right now, I do think they're going to change the offense slightly and run more outside zone. I think, you know, they're going to use those tight ends to, to our, to their advantage. And, and Jordan Love's going to not have as many dropbacks. There's not going to be any changes in the line of scrimmage, uh, obviously being, being a younger quarterback. So there's, there's that part of it. This is going to be probably as user-friendly as they can possibly make it. But 
it, it comes down in the offensive line play. You have capable people across the board. You know, if we just want to look at the center, right guard and right tackle, they're all very, very capable. I think John Rennie Jr. is a, a very, very solid NFL guard in, in this league. I don't think he's a superstar by any means, but I think he's a solid NFL guard. I think he can improve his play this year as well. Um, it's It comes down to technique. It really it sounds silly, but like if, if your footwork and your body position pre-confrontation are in are correct, you're going to win like 95 percent of the time. Like you, you just have to get it's like literally, can you get in this person's way? Can you get to your real estate spot under control? And they're just not as good as they need to be from a technical standpoint. Again, we don't know why that is. We don't know why they took a step, step back. But I, I never really feel a certain way about guys like if they're capable physically of doing it and we have a sense that they're willing to work for it, like I think there's a very good chance that they'll they'll be successful when things go bad, as as they went bad for me my third year. Like I didn't focus on my technical, the, the coaching staff wanted me to put on 20 pounds and and you know, I I listened to the wrong people and you know, you show up like fat, you know, overweight and, and, and unable to move, like all of a sudden you can't play football anymore. So these guys have to go back and realize be the best at the basics of your position be meticulous and detailed in your approach, have a process. And if they do that, I think they're going to be very successful because they do have talent. They're all very in intelligent players and they're running in a system that is going to be extremely user-friendly for the offensive line. So I I'm excited to see what happens this year. They have a long way to go from right now, but certainly there's room to improve uh, from last season and you know, sky's the limit with this offense. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing about Myers and talking about him, which obviously he's got to be, I mean, the guy is huge for a center. It's just unbelievable. The athleticism, you see it there. Um, the frustrating part for me, you know, as a fan is, is you kind of look up and you go, there's no comp ever since he came into the league, there was no competition for center. Right. And, yeah. and I, I don't know, maybe I'm just naive and, and the fanboy in me, it's like, if, if you don't have anyone kind of pushing you, you know, fighting for that job, I imagine it's easy to get a little bit complacent, like, okay, I am the guy. Not that he's a bad person, not that he's not a hard worker, but it's just, you know, that that kind of culture you create. I think that's been a problem in Green Bay here recently. Um, I'm excited to see if that that kind of changes. Um, you mentioned Jaden Reed just a second ago, um, mm -hmm. and let's just talk about him a little bit. We're going a little off cup. Hopefully that's okay. Um, right. What did you see in Jaden Reed? Because, you know, <clears throat> with the board that I built, and, and Mike, when I build a draft board, I don't sit down and watch – watch the prospects and go, oh, yeah, this guy's better than that one, that one's better than that one. I simply think, you know, people that's been around the game for a long time, the information they provide and go, okay, here's how they see the prospects, built the board. Jaden Reed really caught me off guard. When they traded back twice, the thing that I said on our live stream was, okay, they've got their eyes on someone that they're confident other teams aren't willing to take right here. But then mm -hmm. when you turn on the tape from not necessarily last year but the year before, Jaden Reed, I mean, he really pops. Last year had a little bit of setback. I think a lot of that had to do with quarterback play. But how do you feel about Jaden Reed fitting in this offense? Do you think he could come out and start over Romeo Dobbs and be one of those boundary receivers? Do you see him more of a slot? How do you see him? Yeah, I, I think the big thing to to recognize, especially when you're talking about fans and drafts and, and even general managers and the teams, is like this guy was an All-American two years ago, right? Yeah. He had, what do you have, uh, over 1,000 yards, 59 uh, receptions, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, one rushing, one punt return. I'm reading right here. First team All-American. And then – he doesn't have a quarterback. His team's no good, so his numbers drops, and like we forget that he's a good player. And <laughs> right. you, this happens more than you'd like than I think anybody would like to admit. He goes out to the Senior Bowl and kills everybody in practice. I think he was like the the, the best practice player at the Senior Bowl. He got elected that or something. And and whether his four four five wasn't fast enough or whether he should, whatever the the thing is, it's like the kid is a obviously a football player. He was right. an All American two years ago. Like that just doesn't 
you don't just don't lose that, right? And so I think they picked up a real steal here. I think this guy's going to be a, a heck of a good player. The good news about this guy is you can put him in different situations and he can be successful. You can put him in the slot. You can put him at X. You can put him at Z. You can do a lot of different stuff. You can even be he can even be your motion backfield guy if if, that, if you're looking for somebody to compliment like an Aaron Jones. Um, I really like the way this guy runs routes. I really like the way that he cuts off his angles and can separate from defenders. And so I just it's just another weapon. And, and maybe most importantly for me, he's young and he's going to grow with this quarterback. And so, you know, when you talked about last year, Aaron Rodgers and his 450 hand signals, like <laughs> everything that Jordan Love does now is going to be integrated directly with Romeo Dobbs, with Jaden Reed, with Christian Watson, with both those tight ends. Right? Like, except the running backs are the senior members of the, of the offense right now. I mean, obviously, aside from Bakhtiari and whatnot, but you think about it, really, you yeah. got A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones being kind of the elder statesmen here, and they're not old. So this, I, from just from a growing and development experience, you have to be excited. You don't necessarily have to be excited about the 2023 season, but as far as an organization and developing, it'll be really interesting to see how Goody's done in the draft with the guys like Jaden Reed. I think he hit a home run. Luke Muxgrave, I think he hit a home run. And it'll be interesting to see. This is really a referendum on Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff. Like now that you don't have an Aaron Rodgers bailing everybody out of bad situations, how good is this coaching staff really developing talent? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the thing we're going to find out real quick, I believe. And, you know, obviously with the schedule release starting off with the Bears, they're week one in Chicago. It's it's going to be really cool to see if Aaron Rodgers passed that Chicago ownership right on to Jordan Love, right? Because, <laughs> you, you know, with, with Rodgers always being called the owner of the Bears, which, you know, Brett, the same way back in the day, you know, he just absolutely dominated the Bears. And it was – I say it, – it's funny how we say one player, but we know what goes into it. We know – all the moving parts and everyone who's involved. But, um, yeah, so with Jaden Reed, you know, Jake Shavink here in the uh, in the chat, he actually has a, a comment. He says, it's hard to create separation on goal line fades, and Jaden Reed does it. It's nuts. And when you see his body type, you know, you think, oh, that wouldn't be your goal line fade guy. But he, he's just so smooth, so fluid. And it sounds silly in shorts, no pads, rookie mini camp, whatever. Just seeing him move around, it's like that's different. He moves different than other receivers. You know, Romeo Dobbs was fun to watch last year, right? And he kind of, in my opinion, he he overachieved for where he was drafted. But when you see Jaden Reed move, it's like that's different from Dobbs. That that guy is really, really fluid. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does for sure. Um, Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see. The next thing, let's go. Let's do this. <clears throat> I got a little surprise for you here. I pulled this up. This is off cuff, and hopefully it's all right with you. We're going to share the screen here. I want you to see something here. You're talking about working in unison. Tell me if this reminds you of anything. And I apologize. It, it's grainy and it looks like it's mm-hmm. uh, there's a Pruder film, but this is from 2003, I believe, right? And what we got here, guys, for those of you listening uh, on the pod, we got a 21 offset eye, strong right, Z close power. And I want to know what you called this, but we're going to play it through once here, Mike, and tell me if this brings back memories, man. I want want you guys to really key in on what we zoom in here with the left guard. Watch this play as it unfolds. Bang, look at that. Just digging him out. I think this is the second play of the game against Detroit in 2003. It's raining this day. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the second play of the game. And it's uh, I think that's Earl Holmes. I'm I'm hitting coming around the corner at number 50. I end up burying him. So that's our – that year we ran, we called it 96 power load. You call it 16 power, depending on if Kevin Barry's in the game or not. But we ran that play uh, probably 15 or 16 times a game. Really? Yeah. And, and the reason being, it was just one of those deals where it was an attitude play. We took a lot of pride in it. And quite frankly, Kevin Barry weighed 350 pounds. <laughs> and so it wasn't, you know, like Bubba's a really, really good blocker. But you put Kevin, Kevin Barry in the game, and it's just, you know, it hits different. You know, 275, 280 pounds. It's like, you know, we were just talking about Lucas Van Ness at 275 pounds, right? If Lucas Van Ness has to – if KB blocks, you know, Lucas Van Ness at 275 pounds, he's got 75 pounds on him. We no longer need to double team. You're going to get – you're going to win that matchup. And and basically, the all when you run gap schemes, you're going to get – you're going to get a double team at the point of attack. So in this situation, Mark Tauscher and Marco Rivera – are going to get a double. The tight end blocks down. Uh, Will Henderson just kicks out on the on the outside linebacker, and then I'm just leading through and and just trying to come off the ass of the tight end or the tackle, depending on the look, and find the middle linebacker. And then Amon's one on one with the safety. I mean, our, our whole thing was if you can get Amon through the line of scrimmage or you know three, four, five yards downfield without him getting touched. I mean, it's Gonzo, man, because the dude runs like a four-two. I mean, Ramon was ridiculously fast. Like people don't understand 
his track speed. Like it was next level. And so these little arm tackles, or we can just call it like a finger tackle, like they have <laughs> no chance of making the play there. So we we ran this so many times. I, I remember games where we were trying to I remember a game where we were trying to close out against Teddy Johnson and the New England Patriots up in New England the year after they won their first Super Bowl. And we ran this play like eight times in a row. And it was me and Teddy John. I don't know who those who don't remember Teddy Johnson. His neck was like 24 inches around. And I was like, hey, Teddy, I'm coming again. Like eight times in a row, we just boom, boom, you know, over and over and over. Just contact so, me. I mean, these, these are fun to watch. These are fun plays. Absolutely. Attitude and plays. What's, what's crazy is, I mean, they come out in a five-man front. They got eight in the box, and it doesn't even matter. Like you said, it's an attitude play. It's like, you know what we're doing. We know what you're trying to do. You're just trying to load the box on us, and we're just going to – like you said, William Henderson right here on the edge, sealing it off. I mean, he really gave you the gap. You take your gap, and you give Amon a gap. I mean, it's amazing. It's – I bet Mike Sherman was going crazy on the sideline during this Well, I mean, it, we just – this is, I remember this game where we really – because this is back when they had Sean Rogers, and I, I think Luther Ells was still there. I mean, they had, a, they had a good front. And I think the year before, we had gone to – we had gone up – to the Silver Dome at the time, and they had run five defensive linemen the entire game. They were just trying to stop our running and trying to stop them on and, and just were having a hard time doing it. But with our team, and this is really – this is kind of an interesting uh, talking point now. A lot of these teams say, oh, we're an outside zone team. We're an inside zone team. We're a gap team. We're a man team. If you're a good offensive line, you can run anything that they call. And I think what happens now is we get so – you know. Maybe it's because of the time constraints with coaches. I really can't tell you why, but we start saying, oh, we run this play. We run this kind of offense. We run that kind of offense. And maybe, yeah, you kind of figure out what you feature in because you do it better than anything else. Like, I, I'm sure we didn't go into the 2002 season saying, oh, man, we're going to run 96 power load 15 times a game. But we ended up doing it for like three years straight because nobody could yeah. stop us. Right. And you figure out your personnel. And if you have a good coaching staff like we did with Mike Sherman and all those guys, they start going, this is what we're good at. This is what our personnel can do. Like Mike can pull, Mark and Ta Marco and Tausch can double really well. Mike Flanagan can pull, he can get up to the second level. We have this 350 pound guy, we can bring in a tight end. Nobody seems to want to cover him. We had Javon Walker, so if they don't bring that guy down, he's yeah. like, he's one-on-one -on -one with, one -on -one with the, the, the corner. You know, so we have, we had answers at every level. And so they just kept calling damn play, man. I mean, it used to be like a joke to us. Like, I can't believe we're going to call this again. But I think we averaged – I think we had three running backs that year that averaged five yards a carry, which is unheard of. Yeah. God, Najee Davenport, man, I'm telling you, he, he didn't have the speed that Amon had. But, my goodness, that guy – I can't remember what year he came in. It might have been 04. I, I'm trying to think when Najee I think it was 03. It was, it, was, it was him. It was Najee, Tony Fisher, yep. and Amon. And they all – and, and so, so it's funny you say that because – so, so not you think Najee? Najee was a track star. He just happened really? to weigh two hundred. Oh yeah, he just happened to weigh two hundred forty-five pounds. He was a damn track star <laughs> down in, down in Florida. So there's a play. We used we went and played uh, the St. Louis Rams back on the turf, right when they were really good, and they beat the hell out of us. Regular season game, and at the end of the game, we had like twenty-five yards rushing. It was pathetic. And Najee took a play on the fifteen yard that we ran. We ran ninety-seven stutter, which Mar Barco Rivera. Pulls from his right guard spot and kicks out the defensive end. And he he logged the end because the end wrong shoulder him. And Najee took this thing around the corner and went like 85 yards. I mean, <laughs> nobody was even close to him. The kid was ridiculous fast. It was just we we at, at one point in Green Bay, every one of our starters, except for Tauscher, was a 
made at one point in their career was all pro or made a pro bowl. And the other reason he didn't, because back then right tackles didn't make any, didn't have any postseason awards. They didn't deserve it, but we had all-stars everywhere. So they just yeah. did a really good job of drafting, man. And, and, you know, it just all kind of worked out. Yeah. It was such a, such a culture change for me as a fan watching it go from this, this power running. Right. And then when McCarthy came in, it went to this spread. And I was one of those guys, Mike, I was like, I don't care about this gimmicky crap, man. Line up. Let's continue to do what we've done for so long. Being a naive fan, and then obviously the game kind of changing as time goes on, man. Those guys, those were the good old days, man. It was so much fun watching you guys. Do you got any? I, I didn't prep you with this, and and it and if it, nothing comes to mind, don't push it. Do you got any funny stories? Like, is there anything that comes to mind as far as teammates? I mean, you played with some greats. I think you played with Flanagan, right? You played with. Um, I think it's like my best friend in football. Yeah. Yeah, you played with Marco. Obviously, they said Marco was just. I know, you know, so many people love Marco. I think you played with a young Chad Clifton too. Is that right? Did so you play yeah, so so Chad Tauscher and I are all kind of the same age. I came in early because I left college early, but we're all we're all you know this born in the same year. And uh, Mike and Marco were a couple of years older than us when we came in. Obviously, Frankie was there. Uh, Frank was shit. He was in year fourteen or fifteen by the time I got there. I remember. So Frankie, here's a story. Like this is Frank Winters for you. Frank and Frank was like, Frank is one of those guys that I really looked up to when I got there because I rolled into town. I was a supplemental draft pick, and my agent wanted me to hold out because they want he wanted like a three year deal instead of a four year deal, but whatever, right? Like I, back in the day, you're just happy to play football. But this is what this is back before we were brand managers here, right? So I showed up on the first day. I signed my contract. I was three weeks late to training camp, so it's like week three into training camp. And I signed my first, I signed my contract and I got my Packer stuff on for the first time. I had no mini camps, no off season, the whole thing, right? Yeah, I had none of that. So I, I kind of, you know, get on some kid's bike and go down to practice. And Holmgren calls me over and he's like, he said, like, hey, Mike, come over here. And I'm, I mean, you can imagine this is the best day of my life, right? Right. And uh, he goes, hey, 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 good to have you out here, man. Did you get, did you get what you want? And uh, before I could say, yeah. He just started dog cussing the hell out of me. Just you <laughs> stupid son of a bitch, you know. Oh, you think you're gonna hold out on me? And I could have paid for this and that. But, but. So he goes to me. He goes. Uh, he goes. You're not playing this year. You're not getting coached this year. I'll see you next year. See ya. And so I go. You know, I'm like, and I went to the naval academy. I know how to get yelled at, right? I can take like, I can take some tongue lashes. So I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound great, you know. So I go, I go over and I go to. Um, I go to practice and then they line me up for one-on-ones. You know, you do your pass pro. Well, so nobody else had to do one-on-ones that day. And you got to remember, I went to an option school. I went to the Naval Academy. I don't right. know how to get, I've never taken pass pro in my life. And like, this is back then where I'm literally teaching myself how to do anything. I taught myself how to run the 40, the three cone drill. I, I don't, I mean, wow. I'm just doing stuff. Right. So I line up at right guard. And they line up every – Reggie White, Santana, Gilbert, Von Booker, Billy Lyon, Bonnie Holiday, first-round pick that year, Jonathan uh, – oh, God, what was Jonathan's name? Uh, Third-round pick from Tennessee. I mean, they lined up everybody, and I went through everyone twice. Or I should say they went right through, around, over, whatever, me. Gilbert's <laughs> throwing me over the bag. Reggie's, you know, throwing me everywhere. So, I, you know, I get done with the first day, and I'm going, this NFL thing's kind of tough, you know. <laughs> And Tom Levat comes over. He's the he's the he's the head offensive line coach, and he just says, he says, "Hey, listen, here's the deal. Like Mike told me, like here he told you, 
I got to coach the guys that are uh, that are going to be playing this year. He's not going to play you, so you just got to kind of pick up whatever you can pick up, and and you know maybe you can pick up some stuff from the other guys, and you know we'll just we'll work on it in the off season. And I'm thinking like this is this is day one. I'm going oh Jesus Christ. So uh, Frankie, Frankie's the best. Frankie's like, hey man, come on, let's go. You're buying. I go, I'm buying. So this is like, you know, training camp day, whatever for them, but for day one for me, and there's probably an afternoon practice for me is whatever. He takes me over to the bar and to pier, sits down. And he goes, I got one rule. We only drink Bud Lights at this bar. I said, Fair enough. So he gets a table full of Bud Lights and start drinking Bud Lights that day. And I just go, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess this is what the NFL, this is the welcome to the NFL moment. Thank God I'm t- capped off by Frankie Winters having me buying Bud Lights for the weekend, you know? God, that's that's good stuff, man. I've never heard that. Never heard that. Um, you mentioned Reggie. How many years did you play with Reggie? Was it just? I'm trying to think. So of that was so Reggie's that. last year in Green Bay was that year. Was it? So that was yeah, that was his last year. I think he had. I want to say he had like 15, 15 and a half sacks that year. They were like, they might have been number one in defense. That was Leroy and all those guys. I mean, yeah. Nardo Harris. That 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 defense was. That defense was a problem, Reggie. Uh, Reggie had a, a head. I mean, when, when you hit him, it just it just felt different. Like it, you hit him, and it felt like a, you were hitting a piece of granite. And I I hit a lot of people in my life. I mean, I've hit a lot. I've pulled a lot. I to this day, I've never hit anybody where you hit him, and he didn't hit lift a lot. He wasn't like a big weightlifting guy. He was just he was just born like that. Right. But you you hit him, and you just your whole body just kind of like went limp you know what i mean he was just something he was he was different in every way you could imagine yeah yeah he was something else i, I know espn right now they're working on a 30 for 30 mm-hmm. i think called minister of defense really excited to see that man um one of my earliest memories as a uh, as a football fan was just watching reggie playing that old lambo field you know before they had done all the the uh the modifications and everything you know and, and made it more state-of-the-art but Man, what an amazing person! Amazing person. You, you would have quite the football life episode, Mike. <laughs> I mean, just the people that you named off and that you played with. Like, it's just it's amazing, man. Amazing. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about going to Green Bay, it's like what what people don't understand about the NFL is you know, most of these guys aren't. Most of us aren't. You know, the, there's only the one percent of the one percent, right? Everybody else is you're, you're kind of trying to figure it out. There's only a handful of guys that are just naturally going to be good no matter where you put them. A lot of this is not necessarily system fit, but there is organizational fit. Like if if I don't go to a place that has a Jeff Dell, I mean, you guys told you the story. They just they flat out told me you're not. I'm, we're not going to even coach you, right? <laughs> But if there's not a Frank Winters and a Jeff Dellenbach there, who is like, you know, 14 year pro down in Miami for, you know, before he came up and was back up there, like those guys aren't there. I don't learn anything, you know, yeah. and you have some of these other, these other organizations that just don't have anything in terms of player development. They don't have that strong of a locker room where they're kind of teaching you how to be a pro teaching you how to approach practice, teaching you how to approach just being a professional, how you should approach playing on Sundays. Like all that stuff, you're almost getting through kind of osmosis, right? Because these guys walk around with such confidence and camaraderie in the in the Green Bay Packer locker room. Like, I don't know what happens to not just me, but a handful of guys. You get drafted to one of these bad organizations. And let's face it, like there's probably, I don't know, six, eight, nine kind of culture by design, really good organizations in, in the league right now. And the rest of them, they're all kind of, you know, 
thumb fumbling the way around the league every year, just taking that TV money, but not necessarily have any chance of winning real meaningful games come December, January, and February. So it, it's a, it's a real interesting time in, in, in the national football league with the CBAs reducing practice availability and, and all the things that go into it. And then you, on top of that, you don't necessarily have your culture right in a lot of these buildings. I just always feel so fortunate to be drafted by green Bay and be able to grow up in that environment, man. It really made a difference in my life. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> It's something, man. Like, like I said, I, I became a Packer fan just just hearing the history. I mean, you've seen the intro we showed, right, with with Bart Starr and the and the in the sneak there in the ice bowl and just the tree. I I can only imagine what it's like to kind of follow in those footsteps. Um, it was it was majestic the first time I stepped into Lambeau Field. I was just like, this is real. This is a real place. And and I I grew up kind of. You know, we, I, I grew up in, in a small little town in Harlan County, Kentucky. I never would have thought I would end up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, watching a football game. We were on welfare. We grew up, you know, kind of rough under the tracks. And and going there for the first time, I, I remember us pulling up and seeing Lambo and going, it's really here. It's really up here. This is, <laughs> this is all yeah. It's And just the in the, in the middle of a neighborhood, too. It's just, it, yeah. should, it shouldn't be there. It defies logic. Yeah, it, it really does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a magical place for sure. Um, One, one comment here. In the chat, this comes from Jacob. He asked a question about Rashid Walker, and, and I'm I'm interested to see if you know anything about Rashid because obviously he was a, a later later draft pick. Obviously, they kept him on the active roster last year, or they kept him on the uh, the initial roster there. Uh, kind of, I feel like that's more about locking up that four year contract that the rookies have now. But he says, Probably, "What's my yeah. think of Rashid Walker taking a step this year and becoming a quality depth and possible future starter?" You know, Bach ain't going to be here forever, right? Um, do you, do you know much about Rashid? Is there anything that comes to mind when you think of Rashid? No, I, I really don't, but I'll just, I'll say this, you know, it's, it, it, he's, he's, he's six, six, three twenty five. He's a prototype size wise. Is, is that body distribution, how you want it as far as muscle mass and, you know, fast switch fibers and all that kind of stuff. The big thing is he's behind a guy who's been a, a multiple all pro. And so you're, you're learning from one of the best and in and, and the NFL, there's only so much the coaches can teach you. You're going to get most of your like how to no joke play against human beings and beat them one-on-one -on -one from other guys, from watching other guys, from learning from other guys. He's learning from one of the best. So having said that, there's also other guys in that room that want to take that spot over. You know, Tom's certainly a, a really athletic guy that I think has a future in the national football league as a starter. Yash has proven that he can be a competent starter in this league as well. So you start looking around, it's like, where, where do you fit in and where do you get the reps and where are you right now? Are you even in a position right now? to be on the second team during the preseason, are you going to get a lot of action? Like there's so much that goes into this from, I, I, I'm writing a book right now. And, and I just decided like literally yesterday that we need to add a chapter on postseason development and what like the entire off season looks like. I'm not just for football players for anything, but really with like with football players, a lot of times these guys, we talked about it at the, at the beginning, they're not really good at the basic fundamentals of their position. And so you just got to start with if you're if you want to watch Rasheed Walker, like is he is does his footwork look elite? And if it does, I can just tell you right now, without ever really spending a lot of time on him, he's got a chance. If it's not, it's going to be really really hard because there's just too many good athletes in the National Football League. So you got to study up. You got to go get. You got to get your footwork to be elite. You got to be in the right body position all the time. And then you can start working on your football intelligence and all that other stuff. But yeah. it just starts being really, really good with the basic, the basic fundamentals of the sport. And if guys do that, the bandwidth and talent in the National Football League, again, aside from those like 1% of the 1%, the bandwidth and talent really is, is pretty small. 
So if yeah. you got a little bit of stuff to you, like you don't learn how to block and tackle walking down the street on the sidewalk, man. You don't see, you know, you and me are going to walk our dogs and start breaking out and pass pro. <laughs> you got to buy a ticket to do that stuff. So if you want to be good at it, you're willing to put up with a little bit of, you know, stuff that people, other people aren't, you can get good pretty fast in this sport. It's amazing, man. Watching like, cause you played, uh, if I remember correctly, you were, you were, was it 303? Is that what you played at? 30? Does that sound I played about it. Right? I played it about 295, 296. And, and it's, except for the one year they asked me, I got it to like 313 and I was, I was awful, you know, but I, I, I was 295, 296, pretty low body fat for an offensive lineman. I worked, I, I, I mean, I was a, you know, strength conditioning guy. I was, I, I, that's my whole deal. So movement patterns and, and just being a little more strong and explosive than everybody else was kind of how I got along. Yeah. What I got to ask, I got to ask what, what kind of calorie intake does it take to maintain that weight? With with you know the the all the the strenuous activity you're putting on your body, your people don't understand it. It's not like you just your weight just stays there. I mean, you're constantly burning so many yeah. calories. What kind of calorie intake in your prime do you think you had, man? What 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 was oh, it? Oh, I, I had a nutritionist. I, I mean, I, I took it real serious. So mm-hmm. I, about year three after that year, I, I got I hired I hired Dave Ellis, who was a University of Nebraska guy. He's a he's one of the best dietitians in the world right now. So a performance nutritionist. And uh, I was I was taking in about seven thousand seventy five hundred calories a day. I was working out. Uh, if I was I was working out once or twice a day, and the first workout was you know somewhere between two and a half and three hours. Now guys would tell you that's not right now, but back then that's just that's what we were doing. Sleeping nine hours a night, you know, eating super clean, no fried foods, no fast food, you know, chicken and rice, steak, all that kind of stuff. Um, had had some fun on the weekends to be sure. <laughs> but you know, we're working out six days a week, sometimes multiple times during the day. Like it, this is, you know, you you live your whole life wanting to do something, and you finally get a chance to do it. Like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna blow that opportunity. This, no. I mean, that part for me, the the preparation stuff was as much fun as playing. I enjoyed working out and prepping for everything because I took so much pride in it. I thought it was my differentiator. I took so much pride in that that I enjoyed that at least as much as I did play. That's awesome, man. You got to fall in love with the process, right? That's what it's all about. No doubt. Um, what What are you weighing in at now, man? You know, I haven't been on a scale in a couple of years, but I, I guess I was around 240, 242. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Congrats on it. I know it's, it's crazy seeing Joe Thomas step away from the game, you know, played for the Browns for so long, and him just completely cut weight. And then when you hear them talk about it, that's it's always like, <laughs> kidding me, man. I, I was so tired of eating that much food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's uh, sweating it's walking upstairs is no fun. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you want to hit on, man, before we wrap up? I want to respect your time because I know you got family stuff going on. You're you're getting running ragged with sports this weekend. I know that's coming up. Um, anything else you want to hit on? Anything you want to plug before we go? No, no. Just uh, thanks for having me on. It's always always fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll be doing some block party uh, videos on the Process to Perform channel on YouTube. And then, obviously, Amon and I do the On My Block show also on the Process to Perform channel on YouTube. You can check that out. Uh, once a week, every week, and then we'll do it a couple times a week during the uh, during the actual season. Yeah, dude, I, I love it. Love the stuff that you and Amon do. It's just uh, it's phenomenal, man. It, the, I said it the last time we got together. The amount of content that we all as fans have our have our hands on. If you're willing to get away from the uh, the the shock stuff, I don't even know the right way to say it. The the gotcha media where it's just let's let's stir up this drama, let's talk about this one incident that really doesn't mean anything to the players that it's, they've already forgot about and, and yeah. dive into the X's and O's, the things that go on behind the scenes. That's where it's at, man. Uh, we just 
we're so blessed as, as football fans today to have access to all that content. And guys, gals, please go follow him at MikeWall68 on Twitter. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that stuff, man. It's the, it's the great content. You're going to learn so much. I learn something every time you guys talk. Mike, I can't thank you enough, man. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you're the best. See you, bud. All right, we're going to wrap it up there, guys. We're going to let Mike get out of here. And um, really appreciate everybody tuning in. For those of you listening on the pod, really appreciate your time. We're going to get out. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pat Go.